Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hi, I'm Becky Parker-Geist, and I'm the CEO of Pro Audio Voices and also the president of Bay Area Independent Publishers Association. And I have the delight and honor to have with me today Laura Davis. Laura is the author of The Burning Light of Two Stars, A Mother-Daughter Story, which we will mostly focus on in this interview. She's also the author of The Courage to Heal, as well as five other best-selling nonfiction books. Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Glad to be here. So let's jump right in. Laura, you narrated your own audiobook edition of The Burning Light of Two Stars, a memoir. And I would love for you to tell me a little bit about what that experience of narrating your own audiobook, what that was like for you as the author. Well, I wasn't sure at first if I was going to do it because I didn't know if my voice would be appropriate or if it would be the best choice for the book and for the listeners. I did have a background in radio. When I was in my 20s, I worked as a news reporter, a radio news reporter, and then a talk show host in Ketchikan, Alaska. And so I did have some training in using my voice, and I love radio, I love podcasts, I love interviewing people, and I love being interviewed. And so I was pretty comfortable with audio as a medium, but I still didn't know if I could really pull off recording my own story. So actually, Becky, what I did was I I made you a little audition tape, and I just recorded, I think, the first couple short chapters and sent it to you and kind of waited with bated breath about (laughs) what is she going to say. And you said something like, oh, you're one of the most talented amateurs we've ever had. <laughs> Something like that. And, and you said, you absolutely can do this. And I that, yeah. that was exciting to me because I, I know I like hearing a book in the voice of the author. I, I think it adds so much to hear the author tell it, especially a memoir. I mean, I have recorded a couple of books before, nonfiction books. Yeah. But recording a memoir was very, very different. And the concept I had was that I knew, you know, the main two characters in this book are me and my mother. And my mother was an incredibly dramatic, intense, charismatic character. And I didn't think I could do justice to her voice. And there's, the book happens to have a ton of dialogue. I mean, it's very, it's like scene after scene after scene. And I I didn't think I could play all the characters. So my idea was that I would be the narrator of the book telling the story, and then I would do my own voice. And then I asked you to voice all the other characters. And that's what we ended up doing. That was my concept, and I'm really happy with it. I mean, it was really fun having you to play off of as we we did these scenes. I, You know, I, I both enjoyed the process and found it quite stressful. <laughs> Part of the stress was just getting the tech together. I mean, you know, right now, as we record this, I'm standing in this closet in my office you know, this, like, closet that has no insulation, no doors, and and it's got these, like, black 
blankets I bought on the internet that are soundproofing blankets, and I'm standing on this, like, foam, st- interlocking stuff like they have in playgrounds, all to help muffle the sound. Mm-hmm. And then I had to learn how to use Audacity. And, I mean, it was a lot. It was a, a huge amount of stress, really. Yeah. But I'm actually really happy we did it. Yeah. Yes, as am I. And so... Yeah, there is, I I think, you know, I do remember that moment when you sent the audition for your recording your own audiobook. And, you know, for many authors uh, that come to us with the idea of recording it themselves, it's not the best fit for their book. Not because they're in any kind of disconnect with their book, but simply the lack of experience with or, or more specifically with having developed those particular skills which you had already spent some time in your career developing. So that was uh, that was exciting. You know, th- one of the things I enjoyed the most about recording an audiobook is I felt like it made me more intimate with my story than anything I had done before. And I mean, you think, you know, when I think about any chapter in that book, any scene, I would say I absolutely, this is not an exaggeration, rewrote every scene, every paragraph, every sentence at least 100 times, mm-hmm. probably much more. So I knew the book inside and out. I mean, I created it draft after draft after draft after draft, but there was something about saying it out loud that created this relationship to the material that was very emotional for me because by the time you finish writing a book, you you have you're even though people might say, "Oh my god, you revealed so much. I can't believe how brave you are. You're so courageous. I can't believe you told that story or you admitted that." It doesn't feel that way to me because to me it feels like I'm telling a story and I'm not really sharing the raw edge of my life today. I'm reporting on or reenacting the raw edge of my life, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago or this this book spans 57 years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm recreating things that happened a long time ago that have long since been integrated. And so... It's a way I feel more like a storyteller than that than a, like I'm confessing something. Yeah, it's become polished. It's become shaped into a story, and and the story has changed for the benefit of the story. I mean, you know what I left in, what I took out, certain things I accentuated, certain things I deaccentuated. You know, which every memoir writer has to make those choices. But when I read it out loud, I felt it. Yeah, I really felt it again, and it was powerful. I, I was a, it was a good experience. I also found mistakes after this book was edited over and over and over again. I found little mistakes that I just couldn't believe went through all those passes, right? Uh, and we're still there. So it's it's really a great way to edit your book. Yeah, indeed. I love what you were saying about how intimate the recording experience is. I know that. You know, some people, if they imagine what it might be like being in a, you know, in a small booth with just a microphone, it may not feel, I mean, intimate in that it's small, but intimate in terms of the material and the relationship with the listener. That's a really interesting point. Did you have any expectation or about that part of the experience? I didn't know what it would be like. And I was I was pretty had a lot of uh, anxiety about my performance, how it was going to sound, and and because I was recording with you and you're a, a professional at doing this, 
your performances, you know, your recordings were very consistent. You know, every time we recorded, even if you like hadn't gotten enough sleep, you just woken up, you sounded the same <laughs> yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a steadiness. And for me, I had some days I felt like I was really on. Like I felt the story. I felt like my voice was, I felt like I was whispering into the ear of the listener and I was telling a story. And other days I felt like I was reading and it, there was like a stiffness or a formality or or the accent would be in the wrong place. And so it was harder to be consistent for me. And so, you know, some of the, the most egregious places I redid. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. I still haven't heard the whole thing. And uh, actually the, the time we're recording this interview, I'm about to get to hear the full audiobook edited yeah. and completed. And I think that's going to be a really interesting experience to just sit back and listen and see if I can feel as if I'm hearing a story. You know, I, I think one of the things that I want to say, I, I haven't said this anywhere, but I'm going to say it right now, is that the thing I, in some ways, I care the most about with this story is, you know, I've been a writing teacher for 25 years. This is my seventh book. And I worked so hard on the craft of this story. Like, I had to raise the level of what I was capable of in terms of storytelling. You know, I had to learn a lot more about creating an arc for me as a character. I had to learn how to write a a really vivid, compelling, multi-layered scene where the reader or the listener wouldn't know what direction things were going to go in, and there'd be this suspense that would be built up. And I loved learning those things, but they were hard to learn. And I think more than anything, that's what I want people to say when they finish this book is, that book was really well written. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, I want them to say it was a good story or it inspired them or it moved them or they cried, they laughed. But what I would really love th- for them to say is, that was a damn good story. <laughs> you know, you, so you talked a little bit about this, you know, what it was like in terms of the intimacy of that storytelling for you. Now, this is a very personal story, and it's got some very challenging experiences that you lived through. And I'm wondering if you can talk to us about how it felt to read those scenes aloud, to bring that material to life in this very intimate context. You know, I think when I when I think about some of the most revealing scenes, and I can remember when I, like the first draft, you know, where I was just getting the raw material out, and often I would just be sobbing my heart out as I wrote because I was right in the material. But then, you know, you you work it over, and you work it over, and I wrote this book over 10 years. So over the course of 10 years, the emotions became secondary to how to tell the story because I wanted the reader to have feelings. I didn't want to just report on mine. And so I got more focused on the craft of how to do that than feeling my own feelings anymore. I mean, I had already processed them. I mean, I had already integrated these experiences. But there was something about reading them out loud in order to do the story justice. I had to allow myself to drop back in to that younger self and feel that vulnerability, that fear, or that that terrible hopefulness that I know now as an, you know, was never going to be met. And there were times I, you know, I really felt that emotion. I really felt those feelings again. And, 
it's like doing this life review, really. Even though this is this is a very narrow swath of my life, you know, someone reading it is going to think, oh, this is your story. Well, it's one of many stories about my life. This is just one. Yeah. I, I had an interesting experience yesterday. I was talking to, actually, my cousin, and uh, we were sitting on a bench by the ocean, and she was asking me, you know, why did I feel like I had to keep she didn't put it in these words, but the message was, why do you keep have, having to rehash the same material over and over again? You know, about the trauma in your childhood and the challenging relationship you had with your mother and your estrangement and your reconciliation and healing. And, and you know, I could tell that she was sick of it. <laughs> you know, as a family member, it's like, okay, Laura, you've already done that. Why are you doing it again? Because it's so different. And I, I think we have these... These core stories that are ours to live with, are ours to sort out, are ours to tell. And this is one of mine. And I, I expect that I will continue to have a different relationship to this material until the day I die. You know, And if I was going to write this book 10 years from now, I would probably tell it quite differently. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's an interesting path. And, and, you know, certainly I have so much more insight into this story and the characters than I did, you know, 35 years ago. I first was writing about some of this material, and I was—I have so much more—my heart is more open. I have more compassion. I have more understanding of everyone and not just their behavior in the moment, but, like, what are the forces that shaped everyone in this story that made them behave the way they did? And so I think I think that compassion comes through. That was very important for me. I didn't want there to be any villains in this story. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be as human and flawed as, you know, my mother, who was the other main character, who was definitely human and flawed. I wanted, I wanted the reader to feel, or the listener, to feel empathy for both characters, both of these two kind of powerhouse, very strong women. I wanted people sometimes to be relating to me, and and sometimes grimacing at what she was doing, sometimes grimacing at what I was doing. Yeah. And I think you pulled that off. So well done. <laughs> I think it's a beautifully sto- written story. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. There is nothing like a great book to transport you to new worlds. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working on projects that transport the listener. We pay attention to the details, like making sure we have actors that can clearly differentiate the character voices, making for a great listening experience. If you have a book that you would like to get into audio, and you're looking for a team with a personalized approach, Pro Audio Voices might be just the right fit. Come visit us at ProAudioVoices.com. I want to dive a little deeper into that, those scenes between Temi, your mom, the role that, one of the roles that I was playing, and yourself, and some of those dialogue scenes. And, you know, what that, I'm curious if you could speak even more to what that felt like. Because in a dialogue section, it's even a little different from the storytelling narrative, right? It's requiring that we step into being in that moment again. Did that feel like what you experienced in terms of, you know, when we were in, you know, whether it was having a fight or having a conversation, what was that like for you? 
<laughs> there were a lot of fights. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, you know, it varied from time to time, but it it felt like I felt like I had really nailed her voice. Like when you would respond, it would be like, yeah, she would have said that. That's uh-huh. just how she would have, yeah. you know, what she would have said and how she would have responded. And it didn't, you know, I felt like what what I was hearing in my head from the actual experience did not always match what we were able to perform or do. And, and of course, you didn't sound anything <laughs> like Tammy. Um, and you didn't sound anything like any, you know, my children or care. You didn't sound like my children. You didn't sound like my spouse. And so it took a while for me to get over that, you know, that you you're, you didn't have the vocal qualities they had. But, you know, for most listeners, that's not going to matter. Uh, for this audience of me, you know, it was like, that was awkward. But I got used to it. And when I, when I was able to listen back, I was able to step back and just yeah. take it in as a yeah. story. And I, I personally think that listening to a story is such an intimate way to take in a story. There's something so encompassing about listening as opposed to reading. And, you know, these days when I read, you know, usually in three paragraphs, I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not doing very well with reading books these days. But listening to stories... I, that's really, you know, I do it when I'm walking or doing the dishes or just sitting. I, I yeah. really, really like that. It feels like I'm entering that world. And it, it was very gratifying to create a world that people could enter into. Did, did you find at any moments that you as listener, whether it was like during the recording or listening back to it, when you felt yourself like you were leaning towards you know, the sympathy with one side or the like the other side of the conversation rather than your own. Did you ever have that experience? Yeah, there were there were a couple moments where I did some truly cringeworthy things <laughs> towards my mother. The one that stands out to me the most is when I, I was in a cult uh, as a teenager and I wrote my mother a letter that basically said, you know, you are not my real mother. You are just yeah. my <laughs> earthly parent. <laughs> So, you know, when I read that, it was like, oh, man, because, you know, I've raised children and I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother now. And I just think, oh, my God, I was so difficult, you know. So, yeah, I I was able to um, to, to have more empathy for her at that moment than for myself. So for your listeners, what do you, you know, do you have an intention around what you would like for your listeners to experience in terms of like, whether it's results or, you know, or is it just the listening, the storytelling experience? Do you do you have any intentions around what you want them to experience as your listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a teacher, you know, I've been a teacher my whole life and, and almost all, and I've been a communicator my whole life, whether I was doing radio or blogging or writing a column or writing books or interviewing people, you know, it's all been about communication. And it's definitely in my teaching, too. It's I'm not just teaching the craft of writing. I'm teaching writing as a tool for transformation. And so I hope that this story will open people's hearts. You know, I, I, you know one of my early readers said, you know, I finished reading Laura's book and I picked up the phone and I called my mother for the first time in 18 years. So, you know, that's, I'm not saying, and and that's not necessarily right for everyone. I I don't at all want anyone to think that I'm advocating reconciliation or reaching out in all cases. There are times when 
The person you're dealing with is so toxic and damaging that creating a boundary and keeping it is absolutely the wisest choice. So I'm not all in on reconciliation by any means, but I think, I hope people would walk away from this story realizing that there is so much more possible than we believe is possible in human relationships. And that if you really, really are committed, it is possible to change a situation that seems utterly intractable and impossible. Uh, that's what my mother and I did. We changed a situation. Not everyone can do it, but but even if we hadn't done it together, I believe I could have still come to a place of real peace and resolution, even if she didn't come along. You, so uh, you mentioned both in your book, it comes up, but also, you know, just now you were talking about as as a teacher of transformational writing or or writing as transformational tool. Could you tell us a little bit more about what kinds of, you know, what your work is in that arena? Um, I think that, that writing is an incredibly powerful tool. I mean, all the arts are, but writing is the one I know the most. And that if you really practice and it is a practice, just like yoga is a practice, or meditation is a practice. Writing, too, is a practice. And if you write in an environment that is safe, and that I think that's a lot of what I do, is I create an environment where people feel safe accessing and expressing some of their deepest thoughts and feelings. I've seen many times people write something in a writing group that they would never reveal to anyone anywhere else. And I know for me, the same is true. I often will share something in a writing group that maybe I'm not even ready to talk to my spouse about or my best friend. It's It can be the very first place that I dare to express a thought or a wish or a desire or some kind of deep knowing arises to the surface. And so I like to foster an environment where people can do that level of work. And, you know, I work with a lot of people who consider themselves writers and they're working on, you know, a memoir or a novel and I'm helping them with the craft of writing. And I, I like to do that. But what I really love to do is this other work of creating communities of people who become very, very connected through words and sharing life stories. I think there's there's such power in sharing our stories. And, and when we hold something and it festers inside of us, it can be so damaging in our lives. And when we let it out, and when you write it first, and then when you dare to speak it out loud and it's witnessed by a compassionate listener who is not judging it, who's not evaluating it, who's not critiquing it, who's not saying, you can't say that about mom, or I don't remember it that way. It, it really is transformative. And I love seeing that happen. And it's really a great way to deal with stress. It's a great way to deal with trauma. It's a great way to deal with change. You know, when you're, you're in a time of transition and you're between two phases of your life and you don't know where you're going, writing is a great way to begin that exploration. So, and and sometimes it's an incredible way to celebrate. So I, I just am all in yeah. with the power of words. And, and that's what I've been doing in my career is creating communities and environments where people feel safe and get to celebrate language together. That's beautiful. Now, I know that you have been very fully immersed in the launch of this book, an audiobook. So 
This may not be immediately what you are thinking about, but is there a next book in the works, in your mind at least? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just not that way. I mean, I, I have written, this is the seventh book, but I, I've also been an author for 33 years. So the last book I wrote and published was 19 years ago. So I'm not, you uh-huh. know, like a prolific writer. And, you know, a lot of that is I, I made a choice to have a family. I made a choice to raise children. I've made, I've chosen other things besides just writing. And I've I've dedicated most of my career to facilitating other people's writing. And that makes it challenging right. to do my own. I do think if I write something else, it's going to be really different than this. I think I've I don't like to say exhausted this topic, but I think mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. finished. Yeah. <laughs> Writing about these particular themes, I, I could surprise myself, but I think it would be something really different. I have I have a couple students who wrote memoirs and and then went through like a long fallow period, and now they're writing fiction. And I have never written fiction, but that they are having a lot of fun. And so I look at them and I think, yeah. that looks like fun. Um, but I, I really don't know. I, I hope to write more because it felt so amazing to be deeply immersed in a book, and it felt incredible at this stage in my career to still be learning so much about my own craft. And I would love to keep learning because, you know, writing is one of those things like, you know, like meditation or yoga where, or being a musician where you could just keep improving your entire life, you know, until you're too infirm to do it anymore. And, and that's something I really love about writing is, you know, you could always, there's always going to be someone who's better than you. And I'm not saying this as a, just a competitive thing, but I mean, there's always something to aspire to in improving your craft. And I would, I would love to do that again. I'd love to be, right now I'm on such an outward push because I want people to read this book. And, you know, having had, when I was young, I had such a successful first book kind of out of the blue. I know what it's like when your book has its own momentum and moves out into the world and has a life that has nothing to do with you. I mean, it has to do with you because you created it. But, And so having had that experience, you know, it's hard not to want that experience again. And, and I do value this story. And I think especially now when there are so many families struggling with so many rifts, you know, and there's so much people not speaking to each other and not talking to each other and, and hating each other's point of view and position, I hope that people can gain something from this about maybe not the how-tos, but the the motivation and and just the sense that it's possible and that there are there are ways around some of these obstacles that seem like they can never be moved and you know i i think one of the messages in the book is is something a really good friend of mine said to me many years ago when i was still really estranged from my mother so this was a long time ago and she said laura being right is the loneliest place in the world yeah and i i just yeah. have never forgotten that I have never forgotten that. And, you know, so I've worked, once she said that to me, I took it, I've taken that on as something that I was going to try to repair in my own heart and spirit to be more capable of love, more capable of forgiveness and not to be so attached to who's right and who's wrong. Um, there's, you know, I think, when I think about my mother now, it's like I can look at her and, you know, there's this whole thing about it takes seven generations to heal Mm-hmm. systemic trauma, you know, like the trauma of slavery or the trauma of the Holocaust. Um, and so I think about that, and I think, like, it, it's not just this one woman, the mother, and one woman, the daughter. 
it's this much bigger system that is so much bigger than both of us. And, you know, not everybody, but many people, they really do their best or they do what they're capable of. And I think it takes a lot of maturity to get to the point of actually yes. seeing that. And, and, you know, it's not true in every instance. You know, there are some really, truly despicable people, you know, who there is not an ounce of kindness or goodness in them, you know, and there's there's a lot of cruelty, for instance. Uh, but I'm not talking about the extremes. I'm talking about, you know, all of us who settle in the middle. I would love it if you would let our listeners know where to learn more about the books that you've published and, you know, and your work, your uh, the courses that you offer and and all of that. Could you uh, direct us to a website? Sure. Yes. If you go to my website, which is www.lauradavis.net, you can get on my mailing list. I, I've actually been doing a, a blog recently about how, the, the making of the memoir, the making of the audiobook. And I also have a, a book up there that, that I, I give away when you subscribe, which is a writing practice about courage. And you don't have to be a writer to do it, but it's it's 30 prompts to help inspire courage in people's lives. It's beautifully beautifully made, beautifully laid out. And if you um, go to lauradavis.net and subscribe, you'll get that in your inbox. And it's full of um, lots of inspiring quotes and statements and poems that I think will give anybody courage. We all need it right now. <laughs> yes, indeed we do. Well, Laura, I want to thank you again so much. Laura Davis, the author of The Burning Light of Two Stars and several other books. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, you're welcome, Becky. I enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at ProAudioVoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.